Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empowering a community through the mission in their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Thank you for joining us on the final episode of the In Awe podcast series on passions. The guests featured this month have inspired us all to seek a life lived with passionate purpose. I personally cannot stop listening to the episodes from this month and find myself invigorated by the mission these ladies are on to build others. Today's guest is going to do just that. Kara Noemeyer currently serves as an assistant principal for an awesome middle school in St. Louis, Missouri. When she's not diving into all things education, you could probably find her spending time with her family, sipping on coffee, praising Jesus, reading and writing her heart out watching makeup tutorials on YouTube, and working on strength training in the gym. She is an award-winning educational leader who has been recognized for her contributions to the educational field. In 2017, she received the Midwest Spotlight Educator Award, and in 2013, she received the Missouri's Outstanding Beginning Teacher Award. Kara has enjoyed leading in a variety of roles, such as teacher, language arts, team leader, new teacher district facilitator, language arts and social studies curriculum writer, mentor, teacher, and instructional technologist. She is also author of Unleashed Talent, bringing out the best in yourself and the learners you serve, which aligns really well with her mission to unleash the talent of ourselves and others so that we can all become who we were born to be inside and outside of the school setting. She is a passionate blogger and speaker in the educational world. In this episode, Kara shares about her passion to assist others to discover their passions, strengths, and talents. She also shares her own journey with reclaiming her life through a focus on self-care, and we learn more about Kara's journey in defining her own passion. Through her story, we learn how we too can live a life in a way that leads us not only to our own best versions, but to seek to assist others in discovering theirs. I am so happy to bring to you Kara Normeyer's passion story. Welcome, Kara Nolmeyer, to the In Awe podcast. I am so excited to feature you on this series on In Awe of Passions. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so happy to be here. I've loved talking to you for so long, so it's so nice to finally talk to you, not just on Twitter, Twitter but in real person. I love it. Well, and I'm super excited for the listeners to hear more about you today because you are an exceptional soul with just living out a mission in life that is inspirational. So would you do uh, the listeners a favor and just kind of share a little bit about your current context? Yeah, absolutely. So I currently live in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm an assistant principal and I actually work at a middle school. I absolutely love it. So within my um, school right now, I'm able to work with seventh graders as a whole. And I also split and work with half of sixth grade. So we loop with our students. So I absolutely love that work and being able to get to know our students and have that relationship for three years. So I'm just so blessed to have that opportunity here. For anyone listening that works with middle school, you are in good company, of course. And then for anybody listening who doesn't work with middle schoolers, I can already hear them going, oh, she's brave. (laughs) 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 Do you get that a lot? Yes. It's so funny because I actually said that myself um, before I started teaching. I always said I will never be in middle school because all I remembered were my own personal experiences with middle school. And it was just such a difficult time. But actually, after I taught elementary, I felt that God was calling me to go to middle school and I had a complete change of heart. So I taught in middle school and then decided, you know, I really want to be a principal in middle school. So it's funny how what you say you'll never do 
if you end up being called to it, it's your thoughts completely change. So I absolutely love it. That's a really beautiful thing to say that can be generalized to pretty much anybody in any area of life and also in any stage of life. And in terms of the middle school mindset, it just really takes a person who cares deeply and is prepared to handle and focus and gently guide these beautiful souls in the affective domain in those really tough transitional years of their lives. So kudos to you. And I have always found that the people that do middle school really well are highly passionate. And so it works out really well (laughs) that you got called to that. It's great. Oh, yes. That's awesome. I agree with you. Okay. So since we're talking about the series on passions, I am just thrilled to have you here emphasizing and highlighting this. Would you share with the listeners a little bit about why you would be featured on a series like this? Thank you for asking. So I am super passionate about passions, ironically, and bringing out the best in who you are and those around you. I really think that, especially in education and and just being a woman in general, that we get so focused on passions in one sector or another. So whether we get super excited about bringing out our passions at work, and then we kind of fall to the wayside at home or vice versa. So I have really found just as a woman and as an educator that if I can bring out the best in myself and my whole self at work and at home and in other areas of my life, I, first of all, feel more fulfilled. And secondly, I have, I feel like more of a connection to help others whether it's students, staff, my family. So in general, I'm super passionate about health, about just loving people, laughter, and just having abundance in life. I think in general, we think, especially as women, that we can't have it all. And I really... I really don't like the phrase have it all anyways, because that depends on who you are and, you know, really what you're wanting in life. But I think you really can feel fulfilled and really be surrounded by love, the people that you want to be surrounded with and feel like you are living your true self at home and at work. And I feel like we should, and we have the right to do that and we should go after that. So I'm really passionate about that. And I feel like the more that you bring out the best in yourself in all areas of your life and that you continue to do that, the more you feel like you are really on God's path for you. I really love this message that you have and that you share, Kara, because I think that we can allow um, pieces of ourselves to become emaciated in a way that just kind of lets us wilt in certain spaces. And I love that you talk about how it's not necessarily about having it at all, but just using your term, unleashing it (laughs) so that we don't have to be a slave to losing those those pieces of us. Because I know that um, this is something that many people can relate to. I just literally got off the phone in a conversation with a longtime friend that I had lost track with. And she was sharing how she just, you know, she's being coached to find her passions again, but she's struggling. She's just been so immersed in the day-to-day work life and then being a mom that all of a sudden she's forgotten this. And I said, well, it's kind of a benefit that we haven't talked in several years because this is what I know about you before you became a mom. (laughs) And she's like, wow, you're right. You know, I forgot. I forgot. I like to do that. So your work is really important because yeah, it really just helps to keep that flame ignited so that we walk around with that light uh, surrounding and illuminating out of us for other people. And as you're stating, it's, it's God's mission in our life. So I really appreciate that you come from that space. Absolutely. I feel that 
as educators, we came here because we have this divine feeling that this is what we're called to do. But I have also learned now, this is my seventh year in education. And I, I have learned in general that education is such a calling for me that also I have to remind myself in general to take a step back, not from education, but take a step back from not getting too enwrapped in the role that I don't lose sight of who I am. And I think by what you're saying, surrounding yourself with other people who know who you are and can remind you and put you in your place and also ask for people to do that. Cause most people aren't going to put you in your place to be like, Hey, like, you know, I've noticed that you're staying here at work until 8 PM. You know, I have people here at work that I tell, like, if you see that I'm going down this path, that I'm just staying here too much and too late. Like I ask people to tell me that because in general, it's so easy in our work to completely just continue the cycle. And the next thing you know, you haven't done anything other than school that obviously that ignites your passion, but you have to be well-rounded. We're multidimensional. We're not just workers. We're human beings. And you really have to stay the course with that. I can't wait to ask you some more deep questions about that. But one of the things that I'm observing is in our work, um, Jessica Johnson and Kabine and I, when we work with people talking about this and our passions, it's really hard for some people to separate especially educators, their work from their passions. I'm curious, what are some of the things that you do to work with people to help them kind of find those personal passions that are aside from, you know, the space that you're talking about? And I, by the way, a great tip on the accountability of saying, hey, if I'm here, get me out of here. <laughs> what are some of the things you've done in your, <laughs> your speaking career or when you work with participants or maybe even some of the insights from your book that you might be willing to share? Yeah, I think in general, in order to give advice, you first have to know the person, of course. So I think in general, it's definitely all about timing. So if you are trying to help someone whether it's a student or a colleague or a family member, if you really want to help them, first, you have to take the step back. And before you jump in and start giving all this life coaching advice, you really have to make sure that you're there for that person, that you've built like a solid rapport. And I'm not just saying build a relationship where you're saying hi to them, but actually getting to know them knowing who they are first, taking the time to really listen. Because really, when people are talking, whether it's in collaborative conversations or at students at the lunchroom, passions will come up in unlikely ways. So for example, usually when people are talking about passions, they aren't saying, this is my passion, and they go on to elaborate. Usually it's through the course of conversation, something gets brought up and then that person, their face lights up or they go on and on and on about something and they aren't even realized that they're doing it per se, but it's something that you can tell that there's something there that just needs to be uncovered, if you will. So really what I believe first and really in my book, I dedicate over a third of the book to building a school culture in general and really supporting staff members and yourself first before you support students, or at least thinking about it in a way that we're doing it at the same time. Because in general, we really have to build that culture to where people will respond to you and the feedback that you give is in a way that people will receive it. So that is my first 
that's my first huge thing is you really have to understand people and be somebody that someone actually wants to listen to. Otherwise, whenever you actually do try to guide them, it's just going to not resonate at all. Um, And then from there, I really believe that we, I think of talent as in skills, passions, and personality traits. So a lot of times, if you are having a hard time thinking of a passion, if you think of a skill, um, whether it is an actual skill in the way we think of skills or something that's more, you know, intricate, that maybe it's not an actual like physical skill, but it's something that you notice they have a really huge strength in, or it's a personalities trait that they have that others don't have. And so for example, one time I worked with somebody that was very introverted and they had so much to share, so much to share as far as what they were doing in the classroom. And I would, I really wanted them to be able to share in some capacity with other colleagues and not necessarily like a sit and get PD, but really share with others. So what we ended up figuring out with this colleague a couple of years ago was that she was, she actually wanted to share, but not share face to face. She wanted to share a video. So we did a periscope of her classroom and she was able to share it in a way that she was comfortable with. But again, it takes, it, it took me to step back and notice and know that, okay, I'm not going to ask this person to go in front of the whole staff. I don't think that is going to make her comfortable. And sure enough, by getting to know her and getting to know, you know, her personality trait, we're able to figure out it's still a way that our school and others could hear what she had to say, but in a way that she was comfortable with. So I really think it's knowing those three areas and being able to know which one you notice first. And it may not always be passions. It may be something else that will be the gateway to get you to that point. Thank you for instructing us in that way and just kind of breaking up the the pieces there. And I really love how you're advocating for meeting people where they are because, you know, even our listeners, we can't really differentiate our message as we sit here not knowing who's even listening. But knowing that there's something in there that landed uh, as I was picturing this individual and how beautiful it is watching you walk into this space and helping her blossom in a way that is comfortable for her is just a real great sign that you're doing what you're called to do. So way to go. Well, thank you for that. I, it's really sweet of you. What do you think led to your own passion in, you know, coming to the space where you're leading heavy and then you're writing a book and you're speaking about it? What is it in you that has been unleashed that's allowed you to spread this message, do you think? It's a really good question. I think there's different different reasons and a multitude of reasons, actually. I think in general, I I did well in school and people try to steer me in the direction of the medical field. And I feel that because of that, people always said to me, why are you getting an education? Why would you do that? When I was a pre-service teacher, and I remember just feeling so discouraged by that and unsupported. And I think honestly, that kind of gave me a chip on my shoulder that I wanted to first of all, follow my passion and follow my mission because I just 
feel, even though I tried the medical field and I absolutely loved it when I was in high school, I actually um, was the president of this um, Skills USA um, health careers program. And I went to nationals and I did really well in it, but I just did not feel like that's where I was called to do. I have no other explanation. There was no other reason. It was just a feeling in my gut that told me that I needed to be in education. And people didn't understand that since I was successful in the medical arena. And I just kind of felt this chip in my shoulder that, you know, I am going to follow my passion. I'm going to really follow through with it. And I am going to show myself and others that this is what I'm supposed to do. And hopefully through the work that, you know, I do with students that people can see that this is where I'm supposed to be. And now looking back at it, when I was younger, I, I realized that my determination to follow my dreams was great, but also now looking back, it, I, it doesn't bother me per se now, like it would have before what people think back then it really did. And I felt like, okay, I want to prove to them that I really am going to be a great teacher and I'm going to be all these great things. And now people that, you know, before family members and others that tried to discourage me from education, now they can't picture me doing anything else because they see, I mean, I talk about it constantly. I get so excited about it, but I think that is kind of part of the reason why I'm so passionate about bringing out the best in others. Because if I would have done what everybody else wanted me to do, I would have not felt the same way I do about life now. And I think it's so easy, especially as a young person, to get wrapped up in that and to follow other people's instructions and their path for you. But it's so important that if you have a strong inclination that you need to be doing something in your life, that you find a way to do it and to just, you know, learn and decipher between harmful advice and advice that actually is going to help cultivate you. And I think back then I, you know, I'm so glad that I did what I did, but I do wish I would have worried a little less about what people thought. Um, and just, still did what I did and stayed true to who I am and continue to go and follow through with it, but not in a way that I was worried about people watching me. And I think I have a way different perspective on that now. Well, and part of that is the wisdom that comes with age and the lens, but also sounds a little bit like it might be part of your journey on purpose <laughs> because yeah. given the fact that it allows you to come to this authentic space, not only in your daily work with students, because you can picture yourself in that younger space of that uncertainty and the questioning, but also uh, in your work with adults and, and everyone else, you're trying to um, help unleash their their talent and their skills and all of that. So that's really beautiful. Thank you. And I, I, I agree. I just think in general, we rather than, and I think what I learned from my own experience is, is what other people try to do to me is they try to put their dreams, their you know, maybe failed aspirations onto, well, now Kara can do it. So when I'm working with students or others, I try to see them for who they are and not what I want them to be. Um, because really who they are is a unique individual that is unmatched. And I am here, I feel like to help support them in the way in which they want to be supported rather than, you know, what I think it should be, if that makes sense. 
It makes a lot of sense. Um, And I I just think that we all needed people along our path to help us to dream bigger, to dream something that we weren't envisioning for ourselves. And I would also say that it's just a really distinct and beautiful characteristic of yours that you're so focused on building others, because I think it's just way too easy for us to go to the default mode that we all have, because we have the most conversations with ourselves being in our own minds that it's easy to kind of focus on what it is we need to accomplish. And here you are accomplishing a lot, but looking around you and framing that lens about how you can build others and and support their journey. And it's just a really critical and needed skill and talent that you have. And I think that the people around you are so fortunate to have that, that you walking out that mission in your life. And it also sounds, if you would have gone in the medical field, it, it sounds like you were just given a heart that is for others to serve and to care for. Kind of cool to see how they eventually both come together. I agree with you. It's everything works out in its divine way. As long as you stay the course with it, I really believe that. One of the things that I've seen about you just in some of the conversations is that you may have fallen into a pit that many of those who are caring for others and that are the servant leadership type might have tended to forget about their own needs. So would you want to speak about maybe a challenge that you've overcome with that and what you're doing to intentionally reset the deck on it? Yes, um, absolutely. I think the reoccurring struggle that I have is that I give, I give, I give, I give, and I put myself last on every list. But recently, I've really been focusing on self-care. And at first, you know, when I started trying to embed that into my daily practice, it felt very uncomfortable. Um, But what I, I mean, and you see it all over this quote that we can't fill from an empty vessel. And that's so true, but I would take that a step further. And at first I would say, okay, self-care, like I'm going to do, like, I'm going to take a bubble bath and do like a hair mask or something like that. Like I would start really small. I'm going to do that this weekend. And it would be something, you know, silly. And I would wait until the weekend to do it. And now I've really understood self-care in a different way and realize that we as women, as educators, we can't wait until next weekend or next holiday or our next break to decompress and take care of ourselves that we really have to find really small ways to take care of ourselves each day. So I'm not saying that we need to do a hair mask every day, but something. And I have really expanded what I've been doing into yoga practice. I'm doing a 30-day yoga challenge, meditation. There's this really cool app that I downloaded last month. It's called Sanity and Self. And it's directed towards women. And it's a great app. Um, It gives audio advice on so many different topics. And there's usually around like five to like 10 sessions. And it's, you know, around 10 minutes, maybe 30 on each topic. And it kind of walks you through. And it's just like somebody else talking to you about maybe a struggle or something that you just want another perspective on. And it's just small things like that, that I have really embedded into my day to day, whether I have five minutes or 10 minutes or half an hour or whatever I have um, to do it. And I think the best advice I can give to other women on this topic is to not wait until you're burnt out to make yourself a priority. Because in general, you can't It's really hard to be a passionate person if you don't make yourself a priority because you're giving, you're giving, you're giving. And what happens is you're helping other people become more passionate and that work is great. But then you feel like sleepy, tired, fatigued, worn out. So it's that balance that I feel like 
we talk about as educators, but there's really no accountability for it. And I really have been holding myself accountable because, as I said, it's awkward when you're first starting to take care of yourself because it feels really unnatural. But I have been, as I said earlier, asking other people to hold me accountable. I've been holding myself accountable because I know it took me years to get to this point, years to get to this point where I've let myself not become a priority that that's not going to change in a, in a day, in a month, in a year. I have to constantly be aware of that. So you know, find ways to add yourself to the list about things that you like to do and to start small, but make it really a habit. And as I said, hold yourself accountable because otherwise, I mean, that's the first thing I let go usually. So I have to make sure that that changes. I just love that you're giving voice to this important message because it's seems like it's a fad. I've started to see so much about self-care and more and more in our circles in the education field about taking care of yourself. But I'm so thankful that it's taking um, root and that more and more people are sharing this message. When I look at, for example, um, Principal Kafali, I think that's how you pronounce his name, but he shares a video about how he literally had a heart attack on stage. I saw that. That's crazy. Right. And we do. We, we, it's whether it's a mental uh, burnout, an emotional, a physical, a spiritual, we start pouring so hard and we become this martyr to a cause that all of a sudden we aren't able to give in the way that we were meant to. So one of the quotes that, that we have on this is self-care isn't selfish. Being healthy allows us to be more selfless. And it's, really hard to embrace that when, like you said, I really love how you framed that where it took me years to get to this place where I was at the bottom of the list. So it's going to take me time and um, discipline to build that back. Small steps are really critical there. So thank you so much for promoting that message and being that message. For those listeners, um, you know, there are lots of resources out there as well. If you're in the education field, I know the Zen teacher and um, a new book that just came out very recently is Sanctuaries. That's um, Dan's companion book about um, basically the how-tos of, of how to give yourself some self-care. And actually, I think it speaks to what you're talking about. He actually walks the readers through, you need to give yourself the permission slip. I mean, like you've got to give yourself permission to take care of yourself. And it's a mindset. It really is. Yeah. I think something that people don't talk about as far as in this area that we're discussing right now is the guilt that you feel. I mean, you do feel so guilt. I mean, anytime I even try to leave at a, de- a decent time at work, and I'm not even saying like at dismissal, I'm saying just at a decent time um, that I just feel guilty about it. Like, even though you know, I'll go home and work more potentially, or maybe that day I'm telling myself, okay, there's no serious issues that I need to attend to tonight. I'll check my email periodically, but I'm going to overall try to give myself a break. Like even that self-talk, I feel guilty about because I feel like, okay, I need to be at work. I need to be doing this. So there's just so many thought processes that go through your head that, you know, you have to tell yourself you can still be an amazing educator and leader, but that doesn't mean you need to be at work 24 seven. And I think that's a change of thought that we all need to embrace truly, because also I take in consideration and know that younger teachers that are starting are looking to me and others that are leaders and they're following our lead on things. And if I, if, even if it's just about what I emulate, 
I don't realize that other people are watching. And I've also thought about that more as far as am I helping others think that this is what you have to do in order to be successful? And that's not healthy. So I really have been more aware of that as well. I appreciate that. I value so much your self-reflection in that space and just how, you know, we're all on our own journeys, but we realize how there's a ripple effect there too. So thank you so much for that emphasis, Kara. And I wish you well on that journey because it's one that I really believe is an ebb and flow throughout our lives. You know, we, you know, we just added a puppy to our lives and it's totally changed my balance. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great for my kids and, and everything, but it's now all of a sudden all of these things that I had carefully protected for my own well-being and spiritual well-being are getting a little bit infringed upon. But no, I, I think it's good that we just are always kind of mentally taking stock of where we're at. I think it's just important. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Well, good luck with that. Training a puppy, that's a lot of work. So God bless you on that work as well. Oh, I need it. I Working on the virtue of patience. <laughs> 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 okay, well, Kara, I want to make sure that I get to a couple of questions. And so for anyone listening that might find themselves kind of in a, a pit of fear, what would you say to them to lift them up out of that pit that they're in right now? What advice would you give? I think the truth is that when we talk about feeling fear or doubt that we often think of it as like a really tragic time that's happening. And we think of it as like the worst case scenario. And that could be the truth um, of what you're going through or whoever's going through at this time. But really, if I'm being really honest, I think the truth is that all women, we feel fear and doubt all the time and we get hit with both of the emotions regularly. So the best advice that I can give is that we can't do it all ourselves, that I, I think have trained myself and training, I think is the right word here to be so self-efficient that I have to really, and I love being around people. I absolutely do. But I think I've trained myself in trying to get everything done myself and really taking it on myself and being somebody who doesn't have to bother those. That's the way I used to think of it. But I see it now that you have to surround yourself with both people who can support you and those who can push you. Um because they know you can reach the next level. Because um, when you're going through hard times, your own when you're left to your own devices, it's hard to think straight. It's hard also to believe the positive things about yourself. And you really have to make sure you continue to find people that bring out the best in you. I think I'm fortunate to have a compassionate mom. My mom's amazing. She's always been my rock. And I have great friends who love me without fail and colleagues who, you know, continuously help me to grow and see other perspectives, which is helpful. Uh, I think when you're in your own doubt and fear, if you don't gain other perspectives, you really just think you're alone. But the more you talk to others, the more you realize that what you're feeling is more common than what you would think. And it helps you feel more normal. And I think the more you connect with people, the less fearful you will be. You'll be reassured that, you know, number one, you're most likely doing the best that you can, which often we don't give ourselves enough credit for. And then number two, that if you fail, there's going to be people that will catch you, that we're so scared sometimes to make a mistake. But if you surround yourself with people that 
we'll be there for you. You're going to be okay. So I think if you're feeling this way right now, remember that what you're going through is most likely temporary and you're going to be okay. And you got this. And I, I really do think that we just have to constantly give ourselves positive self-affirmations to let us know that we are doing the best we can. Wonderful that our thoughts um, really kind of direct our actions and our actions direct our habits and our habits make up our life. So I love that. Um, Love that positive mindset, Kara. So would love to hear some awe-inspiring recommendations. How about uh, somebody that we should follow on social media? I really love Dwight Carter. He is such a great leader. Um, He also has a great way with words, very inspiring human being. He's a principal. Um, And moreover, I am just really in awe of how he always stays true to the work he does at his school as a leader. But he's so humble and genuine um, and really just highlights his school. I absolutely appreciate and validate that in him. So you should follow him if you don't already. Well, that's great. I actually had the um, honor of meeting Dwight uh, this summer. And as Sarah Johnson typically does, I think I, I had no idea who he was and we were in line and I embarrassed myself. Um, so if Dwight, if you're listening to this, I hope that gives you a little chuckle, but absolutely. And uh, also a person who's working to spread and coach others to be their strongest version of a leader too. So really cool that the two of you are connected and that you recommended him. So I think you have a recommendation for a book as well, Kara. Would you like to speak to that? First of all, I think we all as educators love Brene Brown, but she has um, a new release or a newer release, I should say, a, that's Rising Strong as a Spiritual Practice. So it's a it pushes the Rising Strong book to the next level. So I personally love the audio book because Brene reads it herself. So I love to hear the author's voice personally. So I have loved that version, especially because this audiobook is a forum. So you hear her talking to a group of people. So it's just a different experience. But anyways, she takes the Rising Strong book just to a whole other realm of spirituality and how many things we already do constitute as spiritual practice. So for example, she talked about how teaching is a spiritual practice due to many reasons. And that really resonated with me because I've always felt that way. But I've never heard anybody say that, but she also said something else that, you know, when we teach and we connect to a higher purpose, we're able to make an impact outside of ourselves, which is ultimately what spirituality is. So it was just very interesting. It just kind of confirms the work that we're doing and the service that we're doing um, as educators. Her message is so welcome here on this podcast. And you blew my mind because I love Rising Strong as one of my very favorite books of all time forever. And that's a huge thing coming from a former English teacher. But I had no idea about this Rising Strong as a spiritual practice. So I'll be uh, getting that one immediately. (laughs) Thank you you very much. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, you're welcome. It's great. I'm glad that you could recommend it. I was actually a former language arts teacher too. So I'm completely with you on like just always having way too many books to read, but this one is worth it for oh, sure. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Well, Kara, that's all the time we have for this episode of the In Awe Podcast. I just wanted to thank you so um, genuinely for taking your time and for sharing your passions with our listeners on this episode. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. You're such a joy and I'm so grateful to be connected with you. Oh, feeling is so mutual. (laughs) Thank you.
you want to talk passion, mine is bringing these stories to you every single week. And I know that there is a mission in these messages. And I am so grateful that anybody takes the time to rate, review, and share an episode. When you take the time to share how an episode impacts you, it matters so much to our guests and we rise by lifting others. So I just want to take a moment and thank you so genuinely for being a part of this awe-inspiring community.